The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. What a day, and welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Forge. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-M-B-A. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, just simply as that, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, at Sports Ethos on Twitter, online, sportsethos.com, got NBA, NFL, MLB content now. We also have WNBA as well, branching on our podcast, branching on our coverage. So definitely make sure to check all of that out. Great content. And we have a live trade show coming up later this week. By the time y'all hear this on the 10th, pretty much run the duration of the trade deadline, including yours truly will be featured in the morning. So definitely make sure to check that out. This is Sports Ethos Live Trade Deadline Show, annual tradition back when we were called Hoopball. Definitely make sure to tune in on that. I would be the one like non-fantasy guy giving some analysis on a heavily fantasy perspective um, trade deadline uh, show, which should be interesting because a lot of moving parts. So make sure to do that. Also, speaking of sports ethos, listeners, please take a minute to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. One more time, at Ethos Fantasy BK. The single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and it provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Right. So I am joined by regular guest, good friend. We, we text basketball all the time. Anarud. Y'all know him. Y'all love him. Anarud, how you doing, man? Uh, just trying to take in whatever happened today. Dude, I. I don't get it. You know what? Let's just go right into it. The Blazers decided to shock the collective NBA universe, um, as well as just Blazers fans, all of that, by making a trade with Los Angeles Clippers early this afternoon. Uh, The Blazers traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for get this hefty haul. Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, and Detroit's 2025 second-round pick that the Clippers have the rights to from the Luke Kennard trade um, from last season. So before we even – I'm not even going to talk right now. I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to give it to Anarud for the more measured take. Anarud, you look at this trade. You look at what the Clippers get, two playoff-quality wings. You look at what the Blazers get, flotsam, you know, salary, and uh, I guess intriguing prospect in Keon Johnson. What are your takes on just all of it? I want to get your whole 411 on this whole trade here from your perspective. Okay, so let's start with the Clippers because um, I, I think their side is pretty easy. Uh, we all know they're not really going to compete this year, and I think Tyloo yesterday or some some point said that like they're not really expecting Kawhi to be back this year, and with Paul George out, like there's no there's no uh, real reason to think about contending this season. So it's more about next season, and now you get a solid wing in Norman Powell who's a good shooter, and when he's not forced to be, like, a main creator, he's a good role player. So the Clippers get another 
solid wing. And then Robert Covington, if they choose to re-sign him, he is expiring. So that's just another guy. So the Clippers, like, they're playing for next year. And it makes sense. They got they got off of Eric Bledsoe's contract. They took in a lot more money with Norman Powell. So, but Ballmer is willing to spend. So that side, I, I think it makes sense. The Blazers. This is where uh, things get a little bit interesting. So the logic of the trade, I think, is, is sound. So the whole point is you want to get out of the tax. And right now they were over three million. There were three million over uh, for the trade, and then after the trade, they're going to be one million under. So you get out of uh, Norm Powell, who's on a five-year, ninety million dollar deal. And if you want to sign Nurkic and re-sign Nurkic and Anthony Simons, you need to still shave off a lot more money next year. And Bledsoe is only guaranteed. Um, I think around four million for salary next year. So you could probably just waive him right before that guarantee starts, and you'll be able to save a save a lot of money. But in general, like the thing that I find confusing is that I would assume that Norman Powell could get you a first round pick, even if it's a late first round pick, and Covington like a second. But instead, you you get a player who's was a late first round pick, Keon Johnson last year. And he took on some additional money. And Keon Johnson is like, he, he's a huge, he's a crazy athlete, but he's nothing like, he hasn't shown that much. Like in the Clippers, Brandon Boston, who was taken 30 picks later, has already surpassed him. So it's not, there's not looking like there's going to be a real player in Keon Johnson yet. The Blazers also don't have a G League team. So it's just going to be, a lot harder to see him get some real run. Um, Winslow, I mean, it's we've kind of known this for years, but like he has, he's somewhat intriguing. Uh, the Clippers kind of ran him as a small ball five at times. So then Portland has been trying to do that with Covington or even their two way guy, uh, Trenton Watford. So I guess Winslow can make some value for them, but his offense is basically nothing. So he's kind of just this backup big at this point. Um, I would think you Blazers could get another second round pick or at least another young player, but they didn't take back expiring money. So it's not like they're completely out of the tax. And like I said, if they want to re-sign Nurkic and Simons, they still need to cut about 17 more million next year. So I'm assuming there's probably a CJ McCollum deal in the works. Um, I think the rumors were that like the Pelicans would be interested in sending some package of like Tomas Sadaransky, Josh Hart, and someone else for McCollum. Um, obviously, if that happens, it makes sense. And the Blazers are going down this rebuild. But right now, they want to re-sign Anthony Simons. That should be their priority. So any way to clear up money to do that would be great. I agree. I, I, I agree with your last part, especially. I think that obviously the Blazers are in, in sell now mode. I'm going to take a second first just to look back on the Clipper side of things. So, I mean, obviously you, you instantly win this trade, in my opinion. You get a guy in Norman Powell. He's a switchy guy. He's two-way player. Um, like really going to, like he's a upper echelon of those two-way players. Like he's going to be getting some playoff minutes 
for this team when they are fully healthy with Kawhi and with Paul George. Like he's that guy. He's averaging 18.7 points per game this year. He's shooting 40% from three. This is a guy who could play the two or the three. He can play on ball or off. He can come off the bench or start. Like he is just a complete kind of fill in wing, which is crazy that the the Clippers able to pick this up for, for nothing, but essentially nothing, but also you are getting somebody in Robert Covington who took a step back this season. Like, was very streaky, which is his career in general, but he seemed a little bit slower on the defensive end at times. Um, his three-point shot, when it was gone, it was gone for a longer time. But, you know, when he's playing, he's still a solid defender, still a decent role player. He is a free agent of the summer, but the Clippers have his bird right, so they can re-sign him if they wish to do that. And both these guys fit in perfectly with the Clippers' defensive identity. And unlike um, Covington on the Blazers, like a very poor defensive team with a very good help defender and, like, only adequate kind of, like, just man up defender now you're putting him in a system that is a very good defensive system like the Clippers play defense that's our identity even before you bring in Covington he's going to fit right in and he's a better version of that um on this roster Powell's going to fit in as well he definitely tries hard and um he was part of a Toronto defense that was pretty singy and pretty tight when they won it all um well not well not when they won it all but he was part no no he was part of that team um was he no he wasn't that championship team Point being, he was on some good Toronto teams. There you go. Actually, I think he was on the he, championship team. He was team. on that title team. I was about to say, yeah, I'm about, thank you. I was about to say, wait a second, he was on that championship team. So I'm second-guessing myself out here. But the point being, like, he has that experience, you know? Um, and he's definitely going to be someone that's going to fit in. Um, I, uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, John Hollinger, in his article today, he talked about how the Clippers could, like, theoretically run this, like, small wall unit uh, next year where you have Kawhi and Paul George. Um put Norman Powell out there and then one of Luke Kennard and Reg Jackson. And you can, you can play your small ball five as Robert Covington. And like, that's a deadly five out unit that will just destroy teams. Like we saw what they did to jazz last year. And if you can bring in Norman Powell and Robert Covington, like that's just even better. Yeah. It's kind of scary. So it's just the Clippers are obviously building towards next year. The one downside is, Norman Powell is making a lot of money, especially towards the end of that contract. Yes. Um, I think it's 20 million when he's like 32 in 2025 and 2026. So I understand like why some teams would be hesitant to take him, but mm-hmm. the Clippers, like they're, they don't care. They're going for the title win next year. So, and Ballmer's willing to spend. And the interesting thing is like the Clippers, like we've been kind of worried about like, how can they make some moves without their draft picks since the Thunder own them? But the Clippers made smart moves without having to give up any draft picks. No, they did. I mean, this is, I, I don't think, I think I'm more mad at the Blazers for giving up for nothing than for the Clippers for taking advantage. They've done a really good job of making trades over the last couple of years. If you look back, you know, the acquisition of Marcus Morris, you look back on how they acquired Paul George. Yes, they gave a lot, but the benefits were there when you had Paul George there. Like they've done very solid moves um, over the last couple of years under this Lawrence Frank administration um, with Jerry West, of course, being a factor that have made this Clippers the competitive unit that they are. And yet again, they struck, you know, uh, they put together, I guess, just the appealing package that Portland would want. Obviously Portland was willing to sell it all to get under the tax. So they did just that. Um, I'm not very high on that idea, but that's what they wanted. They wanted to get under the luxury tax, you know, ownership didn't want to pay the tax this season by getting under that number. Not only do they not have to pay the tax, but they also get, um, some of that payout from teams over the tax 
uh, at the end of the year, I'm, I'm imagining. So financially, this worked out for them, right? And the Clippers were able to put together a, a package that they figured the Blazers would bite on, and the Blazers did. You know, Keon Johnson, the roll of the dice for them. Um, great young prospect from what I heard in terms of his athleticism, you know, um, great slasher, but his jump shot is very iffy. Um, just kind of weird in terms of decision-making. He's, he's a young dude. He's still 19. So, you know, we know that the Blazers um, historically like drafting guys who are younger. They did that with, what, Anthony Simon? Did that with, what, Greg Brown? You've had younger guys who the Blazers target and then have them develop, and they're still, what, just 21, 22 when they're really starting to show the signs of, oh, snap, this guy's like a really quality rotation player, budding star, whatever the case may be, right? But I agree with you in the sense that this is the first domino. You know, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, right? Those are the guys who are kind of floating around next. So the next balls to drop, if you will. But I'm just upset that this is the best they could get for Norman Powell, for um, Robert Covington. You could have done that individually and got a little something for each of them in that way. You know, maybe a couple second round picks for Covington. Maybe some matching salary, maybe an interesting player, maybe not of a Keon Johnson type, but something like that for um, Norman Powell. So apparently by packaging the two, Keon Johnson must have been the big fish because I don't see anyone, you know, jumping head over heels for Eric Bledsoe or Justice Winslow. In fact, I could see Bledsoe being bought out, to be honest with you, but I could also see him staying on that team and just leaving, you know. Um, he has a 3.9 million buyout, so the Blazers will definitely use that next year, you know. Um, and then I'm sure he'll find a team, but like, bottom line, the Blazers did this primarily for Keon Johnson. So the question is, is Keon Johnson worth that hype? Right now, I don't think so. I thought he was intriguing. You know, but I was worried about the jump shot. And if you're not a very good defender and you're kind of just decent there, but you're mostly athletic, like, you know, wing slasher, but you're like six two, six three. Sorry, that's not cutting it for me. And so for the Blazers to basically sell out two interesting prospects, like not interesting prospects, but two interesting players, especially a guy like Norman Powell, whose value, even at that contract, I thought was pretty decent. I don't know. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it kind of leads me to believe that maybe there were some teams who were just a little more hesitant on Covington because his offense has kind of really fallen off and maybe with Powell, they're just scared of the money. But I mean, I agree with you. I think they should have been able to get at least another second round pick or maybe even a late first or at least like another young player. Like, can you get Jason Preston off of the Clippers as well? Like they have other guys you probably ask for, but uh, I wanted to say the other thing Clippers did is they opened up a roster spot so they can probably sign Amir Coffee now, who's been a really nice wing for them. Who's been playing mm. since, a lot of their guys are injured right now. Um, so they're probably going to sign him to a minimum deal. So good for them. They're they're clearing space and getting their guys some chance. So that's a good move. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got you to um, go and definitely make some love to your own. The guys you drafted, you know, opening up a spot for him is a chance for him to actually have a chance on this team, this veteran-laden team to say, okay, you know what, we believe in you, whatever the case may be in terms of, proving that you can have a spot on the squad. If not, I could definitely see a bio guy there. I could definitely see them retain that flexibility and using it come the off season. You know, there, there's definitely some um, flexibility in play for this Clippers team. Um, so before we transfer over to our next topic or our main topic, rather, what would you give a grade on a for this uh, Blazers Clippers this is the first trade of the trade deadline uh, Clippers. I'd give them like a B plus or a minus just like solid move. Um, I am a little concerned about the money, but I understand from their point, Lomar doesn't mind spending and they're looking to compete. So if they win a title, it's worth it. So I don't really have too many problems with that. Um, on the other hand, with the Blazers, like a 
B minus C plus because like I get the logic behind the trade and it makes sense. Uh, and I'm just disappointed that they didn't get a little bit more. But then again, like I'm not the one negotiating this trade. So maybe there wasn't a better offer out there, but who knows? Yeah, I'm going to give the Clippers uh, a, I think, listen, you get two playoff rotation level wings that can play multiple positions. You win, you know, if you're not giving away an egregious amount back in return. And they not only didn't give up an egregious amount in return, they basically gave up flotsam and salary and like a player who has played what less than 20 games for them this season in terms of a prospect. So I'm, I'm definitely giving them a, that's great value for two guys who are going to be, you know, on a closing lineup potentially for your team. Like that's amazing for the Blazers. I try to be nicer, but I'm going to end up giving them an F. I don't, I mean, I'm now I'm going to give them a D I'm going to give them a D. They did what they set out to do. Right. They want to get a luxury tax a mission accomplished. So hooray for that. But like the process I didn't like, like that's the best you could have done. No additional picks. Just Keon Johnson, a Justice Winslow, who I don't see kind of lasting long-term, and Eric Bledsoe, who's off next year. That's that's egregious to me in terms of the asset that you had, assets rather, um, or let's just say the production that Norman Powell and to a much lesser extent Robert Covington were giving you. Like that's not the last return you get for that. So I am upset with that. I think they could have been better. Um, I heard Joe Cronin and Chauncey Bill's explanation for it, and it basically was just get under the tax. So like that that didn't do it for me um you know it just seemed very short-sighted and so for that i'm gonna give it a misfire like i was very mad about that on twitter and instagram earlier today i've cooled down a little bit now that i realized that this was their one goal but i just can't see it you gotta do better than that you had a guy norm powell averaging 18 points per game 40 percent from three and the best you can do is a questionable prospect and two guys won't be on your team next year or won't figure in your long-term plans? No, I don't see that. So I'm going to give that a D. But, um, Honoré, before we go on to teams that are – or who teams that should be more inclined to make a trade, I do have to let you listeners know we have a brand-new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. It is called Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with most points when they share the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ETHOS over at thrivefantasy.com. Right, so Anirud, going from one trade to teams that should make a trade, we're on the cusp of the trade deadline later on this week. We will have that happen. We talked about this a little bit before. You came up with this question, actually, and I thought, hey, let's bottle that up. Let's immediately uh, apply it to a podcast. So kind of let the listeners know what you were thinking kind of going in uh, that led to the, the topic of the show for the most part here. All right, um, so I've been watching the Jazz, and I just they need to trade really badly. So in general, like I think there's a lot of teams that could look to either change directions, either start tanking or selling off their pieces, or like make some real moves to try to get past to the next tier. Um, 
to Jazz being one of them. So, yeah, I I just want to see, like, who are these teams that we think could really use a move soon. And for me, Jazz are number one on that list. Okay. Now, the, the team, the Jazz making a move, is that to retain um, the upper echelon of championship contender status? Is that just to kind of stay where they are? Like, why do you think um, they need to make a move outside, of course, the loss of Joe Ingles most recently and help on the wing? So the Jazz, to me, still haven't addressed their fundamental problem, which is that they can't stop anybody on, a, anybody on the perimeter. Um, last year, you could just drive past them and Gobert can't close out to the corner and protect the paint at the same time. Like, he's not 11 feet tall. so the best way to help him is by getting more perimeter defenders. So there's a couple of guys I would like to see, like obviously the Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes, like I get those, uh, but I just don't know if they have the assets to really get that guy, especially with Joe Ingles being hurt, uh, his expiring contract and him being like a, some, a, a nice role player could be appealing to some teams. So with the injury, I just don't know what value he has other than just being a throw-in. Some guys I was thinking of, like Derek White, I think would be interesting on the Spurs. He's not really in the same timeline as the other Spurs young guys, and they kind of have some nice other guards. So Derek White, he's a nice two-way guard. He can shoot a bit, and I think he would be a good fit there. Uh, Another one would be Marcus Smart. Uh, we all know Marcus Smart is a defender. His offense is a little questionable, but I think with just his point of attack defense, it'll be really helpful for them. Uh, Eric Gordon, another guard, wingish, uh, stout defender, similar to Marcus Smart, not as aggressive on the perimeter, but a much better shooter. He's a really, like, he's a real deep shooter. So you can throw it to him at 30 feet and he's going to take the three. So I think. Utah in general just needs to upgrade the front their perimeter defense. Okay, that makes sense. I'm with that. I think that that is true. You can't give all the blame to Gobert, and he does deserve a lion's share of the credit on the defensive side just for being the one backline help guy. But that's a lot of stress on, um, you know, just Gobert to, to make things happen um, because you have no one else to stop anyone. Like that's, that's not super great. So I think you are right. Do you have like a trade in mind that you would like the jazz to pursue? As much as I love Bogdanovich, like I would think about moving him. Um, I haven't really thought about like what the actual trade would be, but maybe somehow get Bogdanovich to Spurs and get Derek White and one of the wings that Spurs aren't really playing like Lonnie Walker, maybe, I don't know but I have to go back and look through it. I get that. I get that. Well, if I'm tossing in a team that I think needs to make a move, uh, move, definitely this upcoming trade line, I'm going to nominate the Brooklyn Nets. I think that they just have, they have issues. Okay. And it's not just because KD is out due to injury. It's not just because, you know, there's been James Harden rumors about him potentially joining the 76ers, not because of Kyrie Irving at all. It's really holes outside of that. Even with those three, they would mask a lot of ills that this team has, but that wouldn't be the end all be all for them. And so 
what I'm looking at for Brooklyn, I mean, they need some defense, right? They need some size. It'd be nice to have, but they need shooting, you know? And this funny thing is they had a guy who they let go for a lot, you know, for a, a, a upgrade for him or um, a pay raise for him in Denver in Jeff Green, who I thought would have been very helpful for this team in terms of being, you know, a guy who could play the three a bit, but the four end was a great small ball five, gave you that spacing, um, gave you some defensive acumen on that side. Like he got all of it. Like right now, Blake Griffin, unfortunately, and the Marcus Aldridge, while serviceable in their moments, have not cut it. You know, Paul Millsap is requesting to leave now. Like, He's definitely on one of the more um, buyout guys, potentially, depending if he's not moved, which I think he will be by the trade deadline. So, like, you haven't had any success with your bigs, really, outside like Nick Claxton and some of your younger guys. The defense for the last month ranks 28th. That's horrific. You've been without the service of Joe Harris, one of your better three-point shooters. So, consistently, you're looking at Patty Mills right now with the absence of Kevin Durant and James Harden and then Kyrie on away games to give you some consistent shooting. You know, Bruce Brown, good small ball five, but like he's really, really small. So not good. And his offensive limitations only shine more during that kind of area. Um, so I think they should try to find a player that fits that need. I would say maybe like a Kenrich Williams, you know, um, there's been talks about Justin Holiday, but him not being vaccinated would be an issue in Brooklyn as well. If you're looking at a wing that could just slot in and, and, you know, provide some spacing, provide some decent defense. You're not looking for a three and D guy. You could even take like a low grade kind of three and D, but like a Robert Covington would have been great, right? He's better than that. Um, a Kenrich Williams, I already mentioned, maybe a Danny Green would be perfect for that team. Um, a Josh Green could probably make some moves. A David Nawaba could be around there. Like I don't see a major haul happening primarily because then one of the Nets' bigger issues is that they are, 35 million over the luxury tax line. They can't trade a first round pick until 2028. So they have some major restrictions on the end, but I think they need to try to find some way to make a move happen because right, right now it's not looking too hot. Yeah. They're, I mean, defensively, like they're just really bad and like they're playing defensive guys or at least trying to next to Kyrie, Kevin and Harden. Or at least whoever's available, like James Johnson is a okay defender. Um, but in general, like your defensive guys that you have aren't like real plus defenders at best, they're kind of neutral. And Nick Claxton just like can't stay on the floor. And when he does, he's been okay, but you just kind of have to worry about him. Uh, there are some guys that would be interested, like could they get Thad Young? Um, Thad Young is. Also, like, one of the best Giannis stoppers there is in the game. So any team that, like, is worried about going against Milwaukee should try to get that young. Um, other guys, like, maybe Serge Ibaka. Like, I don't know what Serge Ibaka is currently. Uh, he hasn't really played that much. So I don't know if they think that Serge Ibaka has some value to them. You could try that. Uh Torian Prince, another wing who's expiring. I would look into try getting him, maybe. But in general, like this team just it's not good. Um, the Harden stuff is just really awkward. Like, is Harden gonna leave for Ben Simmons? Is Harden gonna be traded for Ben Simmons? Like rumors are that that might be something they'll look into before the trade deadline. Um, but even then, like I think they still need a real center that they can play but I don't know who is out there on the market that's comfortable for them. 
Yeah, I agree. I I agree. I think that is not going to be easy. Like, there's a bunch of players that can fit that need in terms of, like, what you'd be looking for, but are there a bunch of players that can realistically be obtained, you know? And then for what? What pieces? Is it a multiple-team trade? Is it a one-on-one? That's where the issues come in. But I, regardless, I don't know if Brooklyn can go past the 10th and still be happy with the the team that they have right now. So I do hope that they take a look at it at the very least. But um, going back to you, Anarud, what team do you have to nominate that needs to make a move? Everyone's favorite team, the Kings. <laughs> okay, tell, tell me why. Yeah, they, they definitely do. Um, and I'm sure we all know a reason why they could, but tell me your reason why. I just don't like De'Aaron Fox there anymore. Like, he he hasn't really improved. He's kind of gone down this year. And the fit with him and Halburn, it's just kind of awkward. Halburn has been playing really well without him. And I like the idea of building around him more than I do De'Aaron Fox. Uh, there are rumors that New York is looking to maybe do a De'Aaron Fox for Julius Randle swap. I would maybe look into that, but in general, like the Kings have a lot of other vets that could be good on some other teams like Harrison Barnes could be a great wing for any contender to take. Uh, Buddy Heald, anyone who needs another shooter could take him. And Marvin Bagley, like if I'm OKC, I might look into taking him and just trying to see what he might be and taking a chance on him. Like OKC doesn't really have any real big prospects. Um or at least with, like, that much potential. And Marvin Bagley, like, I know he hasn't been good, but maybe he could try something. That's true. That's true. I mean, you could probably – I would like Marvin Bagley on a team like Orlando, you know? Um, I just don't know where you – I mean, especially Orlando makes a move and tries to go part ways with Mo Bamba, which is possible since you have Wendell Carter locked up. Kind of see what he can give you as a young big. You already have 18 million guards and kind of wings there, but give yourself a big guy who, you know, maybe could be a second draft opportunity. You have like four power forwards on that team already. I mean, yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's true. You have Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, whenever he shows up again. Oh, I think they're moving him. No, I I agree. I think you're right. You still have 18 mil. I just don't want to. I think the issue right now is you definitely cannot hit your wagon to Jonathan Isaac at this juncture. I just, I don't think that's a wise decision, but you're still right. Yeah. I just think that a lot of their bigs, like outside of Chumo Kiki, you know, um, Mo Wagner, so Chumo Kiki for sure. Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner. I think Franz is more of a three. Mo Wagner is not going to really take a starting four. You know, I think that with the talent that Bagley has, he can come up there and, and cement that spot because most of the guys you have, yes, you have a lot of guys. But you don't have a lot of good guys, you know? And I think that if you bring in Bagley, you know, he could you could have him kind of do the four or five tandem alongside Wendell Carter. You know, Franz Wagner play the three. And then Mo Wagner and them, um, Shumo Kiki, I think, are better off the bench anyway. So you would have at least a little more order. And if you make a trade for him now, there's no no nothing that says you need to keep him past the past the offseason. Just kind of try him out and see what happens, you know? And that's if the magic make a move on Mobamba. If they keep Mobamba and they keep the same current big man rotation, then it makes absolutely no sense to add Bagley. And I'm totally with you on that. But if they don't, I, I think it's possibly in play. I mean, in, in play in terms of something I'd like to see, not actually in play. Yeah, I think 
Bagley needs to get a chance somewhere else other than Sacramento. Like, I think the fans are kind of turned on him, uh, especially with who else is in that draft class with Shea, Trey, Luca, et cetera, just a lot of good players. So if I were him, I would look to try to move and just get a new start somewhere else. But the Kings, like Harrison Barnes, there's a lot of teams that could use him, like the Suns. That would be great. Mavs, he might be interesting. Um, even a team like Denver might be able to use him. So there's just a lot of teams that could just use Harrison Barnes, who's a solid wing, can defend his position, shoot, and provide a little bit of scoring. That's a solid one. That's a solid one. You're right. That's at least something that can be put into play to make happen. Um I like those. I have one more question for you. Do you think that that's what, what, what would be your like ideal kind of move? Is that more or less what it is? I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of him being in Phoenix somehow, maybe with Dario Saric being moved. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I like another wing to be there on Phoenix. Um, but then again, like even the Celtics, I don't know what the Celtics are doing. Never mind. Um, <laughs> there's just there's a lot of teams that could use a Harrison Barnes. Like even the Bucks could find some use in him. That's true. That's definitely true. I think you're right. He's the kind of player that fits in on a bevy of teams. Um, most of which would be ben- would be better for having him on the squad. So I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, I'm going to go to my next team. You already mentioned it, so let's kind of dive in. But the Phoenix Suns, you know, they're at the top of the West. They're one of the best. They are arguably the best NBA team out there right now, uh, sitting mighty pretty. If you if you want to know it, number one in the West with this with the record of 41 wins, to only 10 losses. They're 22 and five at home. 19-5 away. They're 9-1 their last 10. They are just rolling. If the Atlanta Hawks had interfered, they would be 42-9, and which is just insane uh, through, what, 60 games so far? Well, no, 50-plus games so far. So you look at the sense, and arguably, you know, they don't really need anything because they're doing so well, and you also want to bring in a big piece that might mess up the chemistry, right? But I think they need a third offensive creator, you know? I think that you kind of augmented your big man position. You had JaVale McGee, and then you went and picked up Bismarck Biombo midseason. So you have secondary big men who know their job. They can rim run. They can rebound. That's all they need to do, right? Devin Book and Chris Paul, you have more than enough self-creation, I think, in terms of initiating the offense. But I think you need another guy who can be a go-to guy for shots because Mikel Bridges has improved, but is not that guy. Cameron Payne has gotten a little bit better, but he's still streaky there. You don't have a guy that's outside of Devin Book and Chris Paul. You can say, okay, you know what? Here, here's the ball, you know, manufacture some offense here for three to four minutes at a time, you know. Uh, and right now, DeAndre, DeAndre Aiden doesn't count for that at all. Uh, not only is he having, not, I'd say, a down year, but also he's been more injury prone. So that's been an issue. So I don't think that the Suns need to go crazy, right? They've been very solid. They have the league's second-best offense. Um, in crunch time, they take opponents apart. Like, they look to be favorites come out the West. They just straight steamroll teams. Like, this team is solid. Uh, they can't trade a first-round pick till 2024. But I think that you can look at Thaddeus Young. He's not the player that would bring the, the offensive scoring punch. He would just bring some more forward help. But I think that you look at a guy like Eric Gordon, possibly. You know, a guy who can give the ball, play stout defense, stretch the floor from three off the ball, take care of the ball for minutes at a time on the ball, have experience playing alongside Chris Paul with Sladen perfectly playing alongside Devin Booker. Like, he's a solid fit. And you do have a piece in Jalen Smith, 
um, as well as the contract of Dario Sarge that you can kind of dangle around there. And, you know, that future first rounder could help as well. So definitely like that as, as something to kind of float around there. But the Suns have been rolling regardless. If they make this move, I think they're better for it. If they don't, they'll be just as fine. Um, what do you think about Phoenix on it, Rude? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Phoenix is probably like the most complete team in the NBA. They just feel like they have everything. Like you have your backcourt, you have a backup guard, you have your wings, you have a bunch of them who are serviceable, and you have a solid big rotation. So it feels like they've addressed a lot of the problems that they had last year, mainly the backup big situation. I do like Eric Gordon being there, just another guy who can space the floor, also like create his own shot and is a physical defender, can guard up and down the lineup. So Eric Gordon, if you can get him for like a late first rounder with the matching salary and Dario Saric, like that would be great. Uh, Derek White, similar type of player, I think would be interesting there. Um, a two-way guard who's relatively like stout, so if his three-point shooting reverts back to like his 35%, I think he'll be an interesting player there. Uh, Thad Young, like always, I, I just love Thad Young. I want him to be on a lot of teams. So he could play a role there. Even like a guy like Kenrich Williams. Like I just want Kenrich Williams to be moved somewhere. But yeah, I Phoenix, agree with that. Like Phoenix to me isn't desperate to make a move. They they're relatively solid right now, and I think they've just they can play it safe. You know what? Yeah, I think you're right. There there are teams that can sit pretty, and if they improve, it's more like the rich getting richer. You know, for sure, for sure. But on the route, um, before we go to your next team, I do want to share y'all. Um, definitely make sure listeners, please and thank you. Um. Don't give away your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Doesn't make any sense. Not right. So take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. Super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass as well. Once more, does expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months right now. So, Anarud, back to you. What's another team you have that you want to nominate for a team that has to make a move? I mean, there's one team that I think we haven't talked about that you might want to talk about, so I'll leave that to you. Okay, I might be uh, our final team, so I think I know where we're going with this. <laughs> uh, the other team, I think, is New York. New York, okay. Uh, I just, they feel like they're stuck a little bit. They they went all in on Julius Randle, given this extension, and he hasn't been that good. And let's be honest, like we kind of knew that Julius Randle is probably not going to be this elite shooter that he turned out to be last year. Oh, yeah. And with the, their move to juice up their offense with Evan Fourier and Kevin Walker hasn't really worked out. So I would, and the rumors are that they're open to moving Kemba soon. So I think just trying to open up some space for your young guys. Like the thing that annoys me is you trade for Cam Reddish and you're not going to play him. Mm-hmm. Like, 
there's a reason you got him, so play him like at least a few minutes. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes but no if sense I'm at the all. Knicks, I'm looking to trade some of my vets like Alec Burks and just try to get a little younger. Like they have some really nice young players. When Grimes, Manuel quickly, Obi Toppin has been really nice this year. Mm-hmm. And I think just move off of some of those vets. Like you're not a title contender. New York fans, I'm sorry. You're delusional. <laughs> they really weren't. Like they haven't been. Like, I'm sorry, you're not building a team with Julius Randle as your top two players and expecting to go all the way. Like, he's not that guy, you know? I thought it was ridiculous when they did last year. I thought the identity being defensive was what was the best idea for them. They tried to diversify their offense, but bottom line, you're right. Once um, Randall's shooting regressed back to the mean, but he still wanted the lion's share of the shots, and he wanted to be that guy without clearly having the tools necessary to be that guy, they went back down to earth. Now you're trying to find players to match off of Randall. That's not how that should work, you know? There's been issues, of course, with Kemba Walker running alongside him. You've had injuries to Derrick Rose, of course. You make a trade for Cam Reddish, which you're like, hey, that could actually look pretty good. But then you have no plans on actually playing him. So it's like, why did you acquire him? You know what I mean? Doesn't make any sense there either. So the Knicks are a mess. I am in agreement with you. I do think they need to shake things up. I just don't know. Like, you're not changing things up to make the finals, you know? At the end of the day, you're trying to hopefully have a bigger or better playoff run. If that's what you're trying to do, if not, why are you rebuilding around Randall? Like, I don't want to say blow it up, but find more minutes for the young guys. You know, Obi Obi Toppin is averaging 13 minutes per game per game since January. Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, like where are these guys gonna play? You already mentioned Cam Radish, averaging under seven minutes with two do not did not play through five games. That's a lot of young guys who need some time, and you're not giving that at the expense of playing like Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, guys who have obviously not done a very good job leading the Knicks anywhere of relevance right now. So not saying you need to blow it up, but you need to find a way to rework your rotation to make some of those younger guys get some more run. Because honestly, that's what the Knicks have behind these players right now. That is their potential future right now. And they're not even doing a, a, a valiant effort at that. And yet, they're not achieving the results they want. So you're, you're not winning either way. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I'm with you. It's a team that if they don't make a trade, whatever, like they're probably going to be the same way, probably worse if they put the young guys, but maybe not, but they're not going anywhere with the vets anyway. So we look at the same record. It's just going to delay their development uh, another year or further down the line. And I think for guys like RJ Bear, for guys like Obi Toppin who have improved, that's a tragedy, but you know, such life in New York. Uh, I, do you think the Mitchell Robinson situation is going to be kind of interesting? Uh, he's been their starter when he's available. He's been in and out with injuries, but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. And unless they come to an extension, I would, if I'm a team without like real cap space, like the Hornets, I would look to maybe move for him now. Uh, since you could get Polberg rights and he's a low cap hold. So I would, see if maybe teams are looking into giving up something for Mitchell Robinson, especially since like you have a couple other bigs like Obi Toppin. So I like Mitchell Robinson, but I just don't know how much I'm willing to extend him and if he's what he's looking for. So maybe if I'm the Hornets or some team who really needs a big, I take a look at him. That would make sense. I would agree. That would make sense. Like just, just something to, you know, just a shot, <laughs> just a chance, right? 
Yeah, it's like if you're not going to use him that much, like try something new, get something else, I or definitely. trade for De'Aaron Fox and just I don't know. Do what you're going to do. Yeah, I agree with you there. Do which I mean, it, it would make sense if they did, but if not, whatever. But at this point, I'm 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 more ambivalent toward the Knicks. Like, if they make a move, hooray. If they don't, I you know, you hope that they do, but. That's all I got to say. You hope that they do. All right. So I'm going to nominate my last team here on the route. Um, and I think we both know where I'm going with this. This is Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, it's time. It's time. They need help on the offensive end. They need help on the defensive end. Some would argue they need help on the coaching end. I think they need help on the front office end. You can't get trades for all that. So you got to focus on what you have, which isn't a whole lot with which to trade. You can't trade a first round pick until 2027. You're 20 million over the luxury tax line. You basically have two really good assets, um, but only one is of semi-value. The other should not be of value, and the, the other is just kind of negligible in that, and that is Taylor Horn Tucker having some kind of questionable value, Kendrick Nunn kind of being neg- negligible having not played, and then Austin Reeves, who I don't know why you would, which is hilarious that the undrafted rookie might be too valuable to put in the trade offers, but like Austin Reeves has been pretty solid. I would keep him around, so I would take him out of that. Like He's in that trade dangling area but he's really not in my opinion you keep him um because somehow he plays best with both the young guys and the vets do you really want to move uh austin reeves oh no i was saying you shouldn't like i have him on the list of of a tradable asset because he is but like i would not touch him at all i think that it's ironic that he was undrafted and too valuable for that but he's someone who fits in with both the young and the older lakers and I think he's a good piece. He's someone who plays good defense, spaces the floor efficiently, has some surprising off-the-ball, um, on-the-ball kind of creation in terms of some nice pocket passes, some good pick-and-roll play. Like, I would keep him around. I just put him there because he's someone that it feels like a really, really big offer for, like, a, you know, somebody that you can, I don't know, I wouldn't say, like, a Jeremy Grant, but let's say, like, <sighs> trying to think of a bigger fish, like a Ben Simmons or something. That's not a player I would do, but I'm just saying of the type of caliber player I would maybe entertain dangling Austin Reeves, but I would not play. I would not move him at all. It was just to kind of add to the rather lackluster package that is Taylor Horn Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a future first rounder. I don't know. That first rounder might be the most valuable thing there. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, but it, it, it requires a front office to that makes the trade to know that they are going to benefit from that. Like, yeah, you'll be around in five years to make the most of that trade. I think so as well. If you look at the Lakers, look at the six years that they were bad before LeBron came. LeBron has a history of, you know, coming to a team and raising up the ceiling immediately. So take LeBron out of this, Lakers might still be in the trash heap, right? But right now, yeah, in five years' time, who knows what Lakers will be? AD and LeBron will definitely be gone, you know? So they, they might be in a much worse place, especially the front office. Oh, wow. Moves, like they have, what? Uh, Luca just slammed on Drummond. Oh my god, really? Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, no, no, it's good, it's good. I just, um, no, no, it's fine. It's rare to see a Luca actually go for a dunk. Yeah, yeah, wow. The fact that he dunked and then did it on, on the, he caught a body, that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, uh, I think we're just going to get murdered. This now, game anyway. this is something I'm going to give props to uh, Sam Quinn. But would you do this? Russell Westbrook, who I didn't bring up because I just don't see him having like positive trade value. But let's say you're blowing up, right? 
Russell Westbrook and an unprotected first round pick in 2027 and 2029 for CJ McCullough. If the Blazers only care about getting under the tax, you know, only care about losing money, you get a guy who you could take and buy out if it's done by the trade deadline, or you get a guy who you take in the offseason and it's an expiring contract and two first rounders. He comes off the books and then you have all this cap space and you have two first rounders from Lakers that could be very, very valuable if you're like the 2027. Damn, you're really going to put Russ with Lillard? I mean, after I, what he did to OKC? Listen, the his, it would be like opposites attract. I think it would be a nice little package there. But yeah, no, you're right. I just think it, it'd be funny for sure. Um, the history there would definitely make the stories once rivals now trying to work together. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it'll. I, I think it'll be interesting. Here's another one I have: three team trade. Blazers get Jeremy Lamb. Taylor Horn Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and um, Goga Batizzi, right? The Pacers get Russell Westbrook, and the Lakers get C.J. McCollum, Karis LeVert, and Justin Holliday. What do you think? Okay. Um, the Lakers get McCollum, LeVert, The so Lakers are going to end up with Colin, Levert, and Holiday. Okay. The Pacers will end up with Russell Westbrook. Okay. And the Blazers will get Jeremy Lamb, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and Goga. I think I'm saying that right, right? Goga, yeah, yeah I am. So I can guess it myself. I, I get it. Do you really want Karis Levert on your team? After dropping 42, just most recently against, uh, what what do you do against the Bulls? I would no. I think that Karras would be someone that yeah he's an iffy shooter, but he's someone that would give more offensive creation, which I think that we really don't. Have, we have like precious little of that on this team. Like we really don't have a lot of that, you know. So I think that you would get someone Karras Levert who would be able to kind of command the offense for moments when LeBron's not in the game and he's a perimeter guy, so he can do that from you know, from a different position than let's say you want to play the game through AD. We've seen, you know, try to run the offense through AD. It's really not good. You got to get a guy to give the ball to him. I think in, in Karis Avert, he can at least make an entry pass, right? He can also go and um, he can also go and create his own offense. And although he does not make the three ball at a high level, I think that he most certainly will take the three, which will force the defense to pay some attention to him. Like, it's not a perfect fit by any stretch, but I think it's a better fit than what the Lakers have had. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I'm assuming Karis LeVert's going to be, like, your sixth man at this point. Yeah, and and I will be fine with that. I'll be fine with that. I can see okay. a Karis LeVert, Austin Reeves kind of backcourt with, with Melo, you know, and then you could probably play Dwight and I don't know at the four. Dwight at the four? No, no, no. Dwight and I don't know who at the four. Sorry. Oh, okay. Wasn't clear. No, no. Dwight's not a four. <laughs> like, no. Kurt no, Rambis, no. where are you coming? <laughs> Kurt Rambis has hijacked the podcast, sir. No. Okay. I mean, but I would do something. I get like the that. idea. Like the Lakers, to me, what they really need is some sort of perimeter creation who's not a defensive liability, but like. 
at worst, I don't mind him being a defensive liability because you mm. just need some juice. Uh, Bobby Marks put out the idea of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, and Alec Burks for Westbrook, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, and that 2027 first round pick. And I'd be fine uh, with that. And like, I get the idea of that, but at least like Russell Westbrook is healthier than Kemba Walker, but I don't know. AD, on the other hand, though, has been playing really well these last couple games, especially defensively. Like, mm. he's starting to look like the actual AD. Yeah, his jump shot's years. going down, too. More bubble AD yeah. with that jumper going down. Or even pre-2021 AD. Yeah. So, like, if if this is real, then, like, I think the Lakers have a shot at being okay. Um, maybe, like, so if AD... If this AD is real and he's going to be this defensive monster and his shot is falling, uh, maybe I would just try to get some other serviceable wings like Justin Holiday, Toria Prince, and et cetera. Just like I wouldn't worry too much about the perimeter creation. But if not, then I'd look into getting a real perimeter creator. Mm, yeah, that, that, that would be solid. That would be solid. I just, I don't know what, okay, what did you think of the bigger priority for for the Lakers? Is it getting a defender? Is it getting a perimeter player? Is it getting additional shooting? Like, what is the one area most of need that you think they should focus on? I'd like to think it's perimeter creation just because I want to trust that AD and LeBron can be a really solid two-way duo and with Frank Vogel, you guys can figure something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting that perimeter creator, it's going to be a little hard. Like, who's that going to be? I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is like being kicked out of Washington. Maybe you guys can go for him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. I, I don't know. I think I, I I like the Knicks trade probably best of all. I don't know. You're right, though. Like, as far as what the biggest need is, maybe he's watching too many Lakers games, but I think they have a big need of everything. You know, it's ironic. They're playing the Knicks tomorrow, so. Just audition. Yeah, Westbrook exactly. put on the show. We'll see how it is. Madison Square Garden, make them want you, and then give them what they want. <laughs> but um, do you have one final trade you wanted want to put out there? Uh, not a trade per se, but or one final team player. Rather. I apologize. One player. That's fine. I, too. I have a player that I'm just fascinated by. Let's hear it. Sabonis. Wait, like, what is Indiana going to do with him? That's a good question. I've heard a lot of noise about him possibly going to Washington. Are you, you doubling down on mediocrity? I mean, honestly, yes, but I just don't know where you bring Sabonis that I don't think he's good enough to play the role that he's been playing. Like, and I know I'm probably the minority there, but I don't think that you go to Sabonis as a top two player and say, okay, we're winning a chip. I just don't see it. I think he's like a really, really good three. You know, I just think that he, he's been the headline player of mediocrity on a team that he was kind of the main player, you know? So, yeah, no, I agree with you. So, like, where do you put me, him? Yeah. Sabonis is like, a guy who should like his play style is that of a number one, but he's not good enough to be a real number one that contends. Um, he's a great playmaker, 
but he doesn't space the floor well and he can't defend. Like to me, if you can't do either of those things, your playmaking doesn't mean that much to me. Uh, it's a bit similar to like Rondo, but Rondo's a guard, so you're fine. You can live with it. And you're not really looking to play Rondo like Sabonis. Sabonis is supposed to be your all-star, so I don't know. I've heard rumors about him possibly going to Boston, but I mean, I he might as well just get used to rebounding. He'd never get the ball. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of him being a hub there where he has like these two wings who can score off of him, but I don't know if they're willing to give up the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially with Turner now probably not being moved soon because of his injury. Might be Sabonis and I don't know. It's just Sabonis is a weird player. Somewhat really similar is. to like Julius Randle, but I think Sabonis is better than Randle, but it's not of that next tier of player where you're really looking to capitalize on them. No, no. It, it's it, And that's what I mean. It's like a step below that. I put him, ironically, where we where he might join, and you said the mediocrity, Bradley Beal. Like, I don't look at Bradley Beal as the DeMontis Sabonis of shooting guards. Like, Yes, a very good player. Yes, an all-star level player. But, like, if you're building him to be your top player, that's not going to work. If you're making him your top two, you better dang sure have a really good number one. Yeah, I agree. Um, It's just – the thing to me is, like, Bradley Beal can at least be a number two. Like, DeMontis Bonus, I don't think he can be a number two. Like, his play style isn't fit to be a number two. He doesn't space the floor. He's not a good defender. Like, he's the guy who should play it with the ball in his hands, but he's not good enough to justify it. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird existence. It's it's odd. It's the life of a player playing out of time. <laughs> but At least that's how it feels. Like, in the past, like, the guys that you give the ball to in, like, the high post, they can at least defend. Like, there were... Yeah. Yeah, that's there were true, very man. few guys who were just like pure playmakers out of the high post and interior scorers, but it's just and the thing is like either they could play the five full time, and the other thing is like that era was better for like less pick and roll, so you don't have to defend out in space, and it's just Simonis is a weird player. Like he should have been playing with when his dad played. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely... I mean, his dad's a lot better, like, a more scalable player than he ever was. His dad could space the floor. Yeah, and shoot through... I mean, the dad, his, it's weird. He's like... DeMont is like a man out uh, 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 out of time, like, behind, or, you know, just kind of should be another era, where, like, Arvidas was probably ahead of his time, you know? Being able to play both in the post and shoot the three and space it pretty effectively and play alongside a more traditional four, but also with Rasheed Wallace, a four that was more of a modern-day four as well. Yeah, uh, it's so weird. I agree with you there. Every time I watch that Portland team with him, Scotty, Pippen, and then going at Shaq, like, that team is really fun to watch. It's yeah. just a lot of nice guys. And Arvidas is, like, one of the few guys who doesn't get overpowered by Shaq. No, but, he, he could yeah. always absorb that first bump and kind of stay there. You're right. And, yeah, I mean, if he was younger, it probably be more of a better matchup. You know, I think Shaq eventually just warmed down. But at the same time, it, it's like, 
Arvidas played well up there, you know? Yeah, like if he if he came to the NBA before his injuries, there's a good chance he'd be like one of the all-time greats that we talk about. Yep. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Well, Anaru, okay. this has been another fun one, man. I appreciate you coming and joining me. I think we've had some uh, interesting dialogue here about teams that should make a move, um, teams that we hope make moves. And we'll see in just a couple short days when the trade line, when the trade deadline comes, what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to have you on to kind of recap some of this as well. I'm going to be doing a lot of coverage, I think, on the fallout of this deadline. Hopefully it's big. I really don't. I'm not trying to build it up and be disappointed, but like, I also don't want to shortchange it. And then a lot of moves happen. I definitely didn't see this Norman Powell trade happening, you know? Yeah, if this Ben Simmons thing happens, we're going to talk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's definitely make that happen, man. But thank you again for for coming on, and um, we'll have you on again, as you already know. Yep. Have to be here. Definitely, y'all. Make sure to check out Anarud every time he comes on the show. Great content, as you know. Different perspective, and I love talking to him, so definitely make sure to check that out. Usually once a week, y'all. But, I mean, honestly, you should be listening to Ramble Ramble in general. So try to do that if you could. Um, also, if you can, rate, review, subscribe. I would appreciate that. Tell me how I can prove I need to do that, and I like the feedback. It makes it better. Quickly, before we sign off, I want to remind you all to use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also, please check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Until next time, y'all, I appreciate y'all. I thank y'all. I am Frosty. On the route is Frosty. And I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.